Okay, let's go ahead and get started. We have a lot to cover in this last hour, and I want to make sure we can try to get through as much of it as possible. Um, you are in the last session of, what are we called? GPAs and SDAs Unashamed on Campus. And we've been through a lot of material together since yesterday. How many of you have been here since the first session? Wow, we had a lot of you here the whole time. Excellent, thank you. We appreciate that. We hope you've been learning a lot. So let's see, let's do a little review. Uh, what's the very first thing that we talked about? Does anybody remember? Very first session, the what of, yes. The prophecy of campus ministry. Ellen White saw that there would be a work that must be done on secular campuses, and it was to be done by those who are taught and led of God. The second one, does anybody remember what that one is? No? We talked about the importance of having a personal relationship with Jesus and the foundation of campus ministry needing to be from the Bible, simply the Word. And the third one, does anyone remember what we talked about there? Yes. Us being weird, that our strongest argument in favor of the gospel is the lifestyle that we live. And the fact that God gave us a Seventh-day Adventist a peculiar lifestyle is one of our most forceful arguments that we have on campus. Excellent. And what was our last seminar yesterday? Do you remember? Time management. Yes. And how many of you were like, man, this new year starting today on January 1st, 2010, I'm going to start managing my time better. Yeah. I've heard that seminar like, I don't know, three, four, five times. And I still, every time I hear it, I'm like, man, I need to improve my time. <laughs> and what did we just hear about from Tondo last hour? Christ's method of friendship evangelism. Wasn't that like very profound ideas, but very simple at the same time? Like very easy for us to implement on our campuses. And this one, according to your program booklet, if you look on page nine, <laughs> the title of the seminar is Higher Education Goes Higher, The Mission of Bibliocentric Students. Um, I didn't give the seminar that title. I won't say who did. <laughs> but if I were to simplify that title, it would be how to give a Bible study on campus. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Um, before we do, I do want to make two more announcements that have to do with this. How many of you, I know we ask this every single time, but you know, we just want a good grasp. How many of you are currently students or working at, at a university? Okay, a good number of you. Well, I want you to, like, when you get a chance to look at page 25 on your programming booklets, because there's two um, networking sessions that will be happening tomorrow afternoon, Sabbath afternoon, that you would be interested in attending. The first one is called Campus Reaching Secular Universities, and that's just for your generic run-of-the-mill, any of you who are on any type of secular campus, and you want to get connected with the wider campus ministry network. You can meet other students who are in secular universities, and you can also find out training opportunities, ones that go from five days long to ones that go from to a year long, on how to get trained even more than what you learned in this seminar on how to do campus ministry. The second one is Campus International Student Ministry. And this is for people who are specifically interested in reaching out to students who are coming from other places in the world to our American universities. One of the blessings of campus ministry is this. We're told we're supposed to take the gospel to the whole entire world. But did you know that the most elite of the whole entire world come to the United States of America to get their education? You know, one day, Tondo may become the president of Zambia, but she got her education here in the United States, and so she was able to be influenced by campus, she's taking that back now to her home country. In the same way, there are like gazillion people who they've never even heard. Tondo was raised a Seventh-day Adventist. There are people who've never even heard the Seventh-day Adventist message. If we share it with them here, especially people from some countries that are closed, that are harder for missionaries to get into, they go back as missionaries themselves. So if you're interested in that type of specific ministry to international students, there's also a networking session for that. So you can check those both out on page 25. 
of your program booklets. So let's go ahead and get started. Um, yeah, let's pray. Dearest Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for bringing us into this new year, and we thank you for bringing us together again for this one last meeting. And we just pray that as we embark on this, that you will truly be our best teacher in learning how to share your word with other people. Father, we know that that is the purpose that we are in our campuses, that being a student is just a secondary matter, that it's just our guise for being on the campus in order to share you. And so I just pray that um, as we are here, the Holy Spirit will be with us, will teach us, will help us to understand, and then that you will lead us to have experiences as we go back to, onto our campuses when classes begin again next week. I ask these things in the name of Jesus and for his sake, amen. All right, now, I've been doing campus ministry, I think I counted it the other day, for seven years, or this is like going on my seventh year of be being active in campus ministry. I started my freshman year of college and did four years of undergrad. I took a year off to do the campus missionary training program, and now I'm in my second year of grad school and I'm still active in, in campus ministry. And as a result, you know, people come and they start asking a lot of questions about how to do campus ministry. And does anybody, well, Okay, I have like two top questions. One of the top questions is, how do we get organized in our group on campus? Like it's a very logistical kind of question. And that one, you know, that's an easy question to answer. But there's another question, it never fails. It's the top question that I always get. Can anybody guess, based on the seminar we're about to do, what that question is? How do I give a Bible study? Like, I know I'm supposed to do a Seventh-day Adventist ministry on campus, and I know it should be Bible-based, but I don't know how to give a Bible study. I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, and so I can't do anything, and so we're not going to have a ministry on our campus, you know? So this seminar is to help combat that idea. Um, I'll give you a disclaimer. When I started giving Bible studies on campus, I had no formal training in how to give Bible studies. It was just from watching people at church doing them, <laughs> watching people teach Sabbath school, um, just picking up here and there what what I could learn about how to give a Bible study. And I think that's important for us as students. You know, we can we can take the initiative, we can just study something for ourselves and share it with somebody else. And but it is important for us to continue to try to improve our education. You know, continuing an education in the sense of learning how to better present the Bible to other people. Um, and, uh, and so I decided to do that too. I took a year off between college and, and uh, grad school, and I got the training on how to do campus ministry. So what I'm saying with this is two things. If you feel like you don't know how to give a Bible study, that's okay, just do it. Just get on your campus and start sharing whatever. And I have a quote to share with you. Tondo shared it with you yesterday, and I wanna share it with you again, um, if I can find it. It's from Nope. What is it? All right. It's from Gospel Workers, page 192. And she's talking about giving Bible studies in people's homes. She says, God will not permit this precious, precious work for him to go unrewarded. He will crown with success every humble effort made in his name. As long as our effort is made humbly, in total dependence upon God, he will give, the, give success to those efforts. So even if you're like, man, I never went to one of these places to get training, like God can use what little knowledge you do have in sharing what you know on campus. But the second thing is I would encourage everybody to get training. What 
whether it's coming to a seminar like this, whether it's taking some time off of school and going to a place like Arise or Life or AFCO or Mission College or a campus and taking a whole entire year off to learn how to do campus ministry, getting the training so that you know how to be a, a minister on your, camp, on your campus, how to do missionary work is time well spent. It is not a waste of time and it's something that will improve your ministry on campus. So don't be afraid if you've never had formal training, but at the same time, try to seek out to improve those skills that you already do have to continue to do well. Now, I'm gonna try to teach you guys some things today on how to do that, and I'm gonna warn you, I gave this seminar about a month and a half ago, and they gave me two hours to do the seminar, and we barely had enough time. And now I have like 48 minutes left. <laughs> and so we're gonna, we're, we're gonna go through a lot of stuff. We're not gonna go through everything I would like to go through, but uh, if you have questions, or if you would like to know some of the stuff that I'm talking about today in more detail, I do have something I can email you. So just come see me afterward, I can email you my notes and you can have some more information. But one last thing I wanted to show you, and this, this is relevant to what we're talking about. Um, one of the biggest foundations of being able to give a Bible study is having good resources. And Campus is pulling together a Bible study resource. Actually, it's a, it's a campus ministry starter pack, and it's called SPARK. SPARK is an acronym for something. I don't know what. Do you know what it is? It's not an acronym. Wow, it's not an acronym. That is actually an amazing thing. <laughs> so this is Campus Spark, and it's, it's like the starter kit to beginning a campus ministry. This right here is a little handbook, and it talks about things um, about the need of personal conversion. Uh, what else? Uh, meeting your Adventist peers, the student group on campus, Tr getting training and then campus events that go on. So it's just kind of a little handbook to see how can I start campus ministry going. But also it's a box set. Also included in this box is a, D a DVD with a David Ashrick video presentation on it and discussion questions. So you can pop it in the DVD player in your student lounge at school, invite friends over, and then you can take the discussion questions and start a very simple, very basic Bible study with them. There's other encouraging, I think, DVDs and recordings in there. There's um, Another, there's a set of Bible studies. That's why it's important for us. There's a set of Bible studies in there that can serve as your foundation when you're starting to give Bible studies to people. So if you're interested in getting a hold of one of these resources, go down to the booth area when it's open again and find the campus booth. And at the campus booth, they'll let you know how you can sign up to get a hold of one of these Spark packets. And they're going to be an awesome resource, so I highly recommend you all go check it out. So. How do you give a Bible study on campus? Especially considering a lot of students lack the training that a formal evangelist has in knowing how to go out and share. And I would say, unfortunately, students can only do four things, okay? Four things. Four doesn't sound like a lot, right? But these four things are actually everything you need in order to share successfully. And they are these. Identify. Prepare, share, and ask. I was actually going to try to make some sort of mnemonic device, um, so I looked up on the internet, you know, four-letter words ending in A, and I found things like yoga and beta, and I couldn't come up with a good mnemonic. So <laughs> this, is, this is what we have. Identify, prepare, share, and ask. If you can master these four things, you're on your way to being able to give successful Bible studies on campus that will help win your friends to Jesus. So let's start with the very first one, identify. You need to know who you're working with on campus in order to know at what stage are they. Are they really ready for a Bible study or do they still need some more encouragement? Are they at the point where they're ready to make a decision or do they still need more information? 
So in identifying, there, I want us to, I'm gonna draw a picture. And don't laugh at my drawing skills. I'm a lawyer, I'm not, a, I'm not an artist. <laughs> All right, does that at least, you know, can you guys get a sense of what that is? So this is a seed, right? And this is like a sapling or something, you know, like a, a, a plant that's starting to grow. This is a tree, but it doesn't have any fruit. And this is a tree with fruit. Does you guys all see that? Yeah? Okay. So this is what this is helpful for us identifying different people in their in their interest and in their preparedness to receive the word. The seed is like a person who has maybe filled out a survey on campus or who there may be friends with somebody who's Adventist but they've never like really heard anything else like they've showed some passing interest not necessarily in the Bible itself but in the fact that like your student group offers some service on campus or the fact that you're vegetarian they're like wow I don't eat meat either you know so like it's a person who's starting to ask questions about your lifestyle but they may not know the underlying reason that's a person who's at the seed stage person who's at the sapling stage would be somebody who is, um, they need encouraging. So maybe they've come to some of your events on campus. When I was a student at the University of Michigan, we did something called a vegetarian um, tasting extravaganza, where we would make all these vegetarian dishes and we'd invite everybody to come on campus. And all, these people, they would come out to the event and then we'd try to get Bible study contacts from that. So this would be maybe people who come to an event like that, but they haven't come to Bible studies yet. Or they've come to like one or two Bible studies. Um, they've come to events that your campus is doing, but they haven't really committed to studying the word yet. People here who are in the tree, um, or who are like a tree, are people who are maybe coming out to a Bible study that you're doing regularly, whether it's a small group, or if your church has a youth Sabbath school and you've invited them and they're coming regularly to that Sabbath school class, or in, in some way they're coming, out, they're coming out regularly to church. You know, They're getting a regular um, feeding of the word, but they've not made a decision yet. Um, oftentimes there are Adventist students who fall into this. A lot of times there are Adventists who grew up in the church, they may have even gone to Adventist academies, but they never made a decision for God. And um, oftentimes they're the ones who are the closest, who are ready to actually step over the line and make a decision. And so we need to remember to work for those students also. Don't assume that just because there's another Adventist on campus that they've already you know, accepted Jesus and that they've already been baptized, because oftentimes they haven't, but they're also the first ones who are the most likely to be able to accept the message that we have because they're familiar with it. And finally, this is the person who they're growing, they're accepting things, they're making decisions, and you know, they're, they're there, they're, they've accepted whenever you, you ask a question. So these are the four levels that you're, you'll find people at. And what you wanna do is, when you meet someone on campus, you wanna figure out, okay, does this person have no idea what's going on? Because if so, I wanna start inviting them to events so they can become more familiar with who we are. So we can mingle with them, like Tondo was talking, and become friends with them, so they'll they'd be interested in studying the Bible. Or if this person's coming out to all of our social events and all of our exercising events, but they've never come to a Bible study, you know what, like, let's get them to transition from, you know, exercising with us to coming to our Bible study on Friday nights. You want to get them from this level to this level. And if your person's at this level, but they've never made a decision, you want to get them to make a decision. So the goal in identifying people is not to get them from being a seed to being like an apple tree overnight. 
you want to just get them to move one level. So if they're a seed, you want them to become a sapling. If they're a sapling, you want them to become a tree. If they're a tree, you want them to bear fruit. Um, and eventually, you know, they will get, you know, from the seed to here. But the goal is for now to get them to move from one level to the next level, always moving one level up, one level up, one level up. So that's the important of, importance of identifying. Now the next thing is, is how do you prepare? And yesterday, Tanto talked a lot about the um, the importance of personal devotions and you know the, why we're Bible based. And she and I talked about you know how to how to split this up. And since I was talking about how to prepare a Bible study, she wanted me to to let you know that this also goes with how you can study the Bible in your own personal life, in your own experience, and in your personal devotions. Um, so. I'm trying to see where I am. Prepare. Okay, I want to share with you a couple quotes before we start. And this is especially in light of students. So how many of you will spend hours on end finishing your homework, like to turn in for class, you know? Like, I, I had to fly home last week. I had a paper due on Wednesday, last Wednesday. And it was 35 pages long. It was like really long. And I'd been working on it all semester, but it still wasn't quite done. I flew home on Tuesday, but there was bad weather in Chicago. I live in Virginia, but my parents live in Michigan, so I had to fly through O'Hare. And as a result, my last flight was canceled. My dad had to drive from Michigan to Chicago to come pick me up, and I still had this paper to write. And I'm not a person, you know some students, some of you, you guys can pull all-nighters. I can't do all-nighters. For me, only sleeping three hours is like an all-nighter. Even sleeping four or five hours is like pretty close to it. So that night, you know, I was working on my paper in the car. It still wasn't done. I went to bed, I think, for three or four hours, and then I woke up, and then I I kept, you know, preparing, going, 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 putting all this effort into turning in my paper and it's finally in. You know, like, for academia, we're willing to put in whatever effort and make sacrifices in order to, in order to get the work done. But that same effort, you know, that quality that we want to make sure that we have this done in the best way possible, we should be able to put that type of effort also into preparing Bible studies for people. So that's a way where students actually have an advantage. You know how to study, hopefully, you know, if you're in college by this point and you're going on to grad school, you've You've learned study skills. That's why you are where you are now. And we can apply some of those study skills to the studying of Scripture. And with the help of the Holy Spirit, we'll get even more out of studying the Scripture than we do out of studying our textbooks. So with that in mind, I want to share with you a couple quotes. They're all from the book Education. And if you've not read the book Education, and if you don't own it, it should be the first book that you buy this year. Um, the first quote is this. The teaching of the Bible should have our freshest thought, our best methods, and our most earnest efforts. It should have our freshest thought. You know, sometimes when I'm tired and I know I'm not going to do well in my homework, if I stay up late at night, I'll go to bed early and I'll wake up two hours early to keep doing work because when I wake up, that's when my mind is freshest. But that's also when, if I know I need to prepare a Bible study and my mind is tired, I'll wake up the two hours early to get the Bible study ready because that's when, personally, my mind is freshest. I know other people, their mind is freshest like in the middle of the afternoon. So taking that time, when is your mind freshest to prepare this Bible study? What's the best, best method? And putting in your most earnest effort. So even putting in more effort than you would in, those, in, in for your classes. Second, in order to interest others in the Bible, we ourselves must be interested in it. 
There is nothing worse than hearing someone talk about something and you think they're not interested in it at all. Have you guys had professors like that? You know, like they're they're lecturing and lecturing about, you know, the structure of the molecule or about like the War of 1812 and you're like, "Oh my goodness. Like, why did I take this class?" This is a, like I think they made the professor teach this class. He doesn't really want to be here. If that's how you are with the Bible, you're like, "Oh, I just have to do Bible study because I went to GYC and Tondo and Amy told me I have to give Bible studies on campus." And you go and you sit down and you have a Bible study with someone, like they're going to tell that, you know, you're not interested in it. But if you study the Bible for yourself and you experience, you know, conviction from what you are studying, and then you share that with someone else, people are going to be able to tell that that's something real. And so that's why it's so important for us that we must ourselves be interested in what we are teaching. It can't just be something that's like, oh, I don't, I don't know, this is not any application to me. It has to be something we're interested in. The last one. The student of the Bible should be taught to approach it with the spirit of a learner. We are to search its pages, not for proof to sustain our opinions, but in order to know what God says. So we have to go into the Bible when we're studying it, making sure that we're open to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Not that we're like, okay, yeah, yeah, I know the Bible says this, and, and I'm, I just need to find the verses to prove it. We may know that there are principles in the Bible, and we can search to see if those principles are actually true, but we shouldn't be reading our own interpretation into the Bible. We should let the Bible interpret itself for us as we're continuing to read it so that God we can see what God says. So as we're preparing, for me, like the first thing I asked was like, how long am I supposed to prepare? And a pastor told me this once. He gave me the four to one ratio. So for every one hour that you're presenting, you should be preparing for four hours. Now that, that sounds like a lot of time, doesn't it, right? So there's a couple things I want to do to encourage you with that. Students are busy, so you shouldn't be giving them very long Bible studies to begin with. On campus, probably, you know, in a general Bible study, it should last probably 45 minutes-ish and leave some time for questions. On campus, I would say to try to cut that down. 45 minutes would be your upper limit. If you can, try to keep it to half an hour to 45 minutes. And then if the student wants to keep talking, you can be prepared to be able to talk more. So, you know, four to one for half an hour, that's two hours of preparation. But the second thing is this. You're going to be preparing more information than you're actually going to be able to share in your Bible study. You should be able to study, or when you're studying, because you're putting this much time into it, you're not just studying everything that you're going to present, but you're studying to be ready to answer every question that the person may ask you. And so, for, again, this is another example from law school. Um, we have to read cases. And honestly, if you guys know how to study your Bible and you're thinking about going to law school, you'll do fine in law school because it's very similar. You know, they give me a case, I have to read it, and there'll be questions in the back. So I'll kind of have an idea of what the professor is going to ask me about because they had to do cold calling. But in addition to that, I have to stop and I have to think it. In the case, what other things might the professor ask me about? What have I seen that's similar or different from other things that I have read? So I'm anticipating the questions the professor's going to ask me in class. That's the same thing we're doing when we're preparing Bible studies. If I was hearing this information about the Sabbath for the first time, what questions would I hear? Or what questions would I ask the person who's telling me? Uh, one question that always used to stump me on that was like, well, how do you know like Saturday or the seventh day now is always the same day that the seventh day was? I was like, Oh, that's a good question. But then I remembered, you know, Jesus died on Friday and then he rose on Sunday. And so we know the day in between was Saturday. That's the seventh day. Anyway, that's kind of a tangent. But, <laughs> you know, that's a, that's a question that, you know, now I know to anticipate when I'm preparing a Bible study, people are going to ask, well, how do you know, like, Saturday is, the seventh, you know, Saturday is the seventh day today, but how do you know it's always been that day? Um, 
prepare, you know, so anticipating those questions ahead of time. The second thing is once you prepare a Bible study, you don't stop using it. It's not like you use it once and you throw it away. We like to recycle, right? We, we you know, go green and stuff like that. It's the same with Bible study. Just that, you know, I've given the seminar before somewhere else. I did make some tweaks for GYC, but in general, it's the same thing. I put in the four hours ahead of time. I had to put in a little more time, but I'm able to use it again. So never think like preparing one Bible study means you're never going to use it again. Like that time is going to be well spent because while you may be presenting it for one hour the first time, you may be able to use it 10, 20 times. And so that time actually is well spent. It's a good investment early on. Um, let's see. The next is how do you prepare? So like what do you do to, to start to prepare? And I like to use this illustration. I love stars. And um, I, I walk to school every day, and I live in the, well, Charlottesville's kind of the country. There's a lot of lights, but it's not a huge city. And so you can see some stars. So sometimes I'm at school way too late at night, and I'm walking home, and it's dark, and I can see the stars. And so I, you know, as I was looking at these stars, it reminded me of the way that you should be going through studying the Bible. The first thing you want to do is you want to hear the word. And this is where I have some stuff that's more detailed, but I'm not going to be able to share all of it. So if you want it, you know, come get the, the notes from me afterward. But hearing the word, and two Bible texts you can write down for this are um, Romans 10:17, or maybe there's just one. I'll let you know in a second. And 1 Timothy 4:13. We're not going to read those, but these are two places where we get the foundation of this is the first thing that we should do. Hearing the word is important for us just to become familiar with it. If you know you have to give a Bible study on the Sabbath, go on Audioverse, go on another website where you know they have videos or they have audio of sermons where a pastor has preached on Sabbath and go and listen to a sermon on the Sabbath. It's like somebody preparing a meal for you. You know, not that I'm in school, I never have time to cook for myself anymore. It's great when somebody takes the time, like when a member from church invites me over to their house, they've prepared the meal for me. I get to enjoy eating it, but like, you know, I didn't have to put any of the work into it. That's what hearing the word is. It's important for us to become familiar, but we can't be satisfied with just that level of it. But it's a good way for us to start to get a grasp on what am I going to be presenting. And again, there's many websites that you can find. Go into the booth area, see who has audio resources available so that you can hear the word on different Bible topics. And <coughs> And that's kind of like what I would say is if you had a documentary, so I said, you know, I like to look at stars. Say I'd seen a documentary on like the constellation Orion or on like the galaxy or whatever. I'm not actually looking at the stars in real life, but I'm watching this DVD that somebody else who had gone and looked at the stars and they're telling me what their experience with it was. So it's kind of like that. That's what, that's what hearing the word is like. The next thing is reading the word. So it's opening the Bible to Exodus chapter 20 or to Genesis chapter 2. And this is just using Sabbath as an example again. And, um, and reading what the Bible has to say about, about Sabbath. And not going in depth into it, but just reading to familiarize yourself with it. Day in, day out. And um, a, an, an example verse of this is Revelation 1 verse 3. Again, we're not going to read it, but it's something that you guys can write down so that you know a place where you can go back and look. So reading the word isn't the next thing that we should do. This is an in-depth study. This is just getting a broad view. So this would be like in my, in my star analogy, I'm walking home and as I'm walking, this time I actually see the real stars because it's dark outside. And I see, you know, everything that's above my neighborhood. I see where Orion's rising. I see where, you know, the, what is it? The Big Dipper or the Little Dipper is pointing to the, to the Northern Star. You know, I'm just, I'm watching the stars in the sky and I'm getting familiar with how the sky looks like now that I live in Virginia and how it's different if it's different from where I live in Michigan. And um, 
And so it's just getting ourselves familiar with scripture by reading through it. The next thing you need to do to prepare is study it. Now this is getting more in depth. This would be like if I had a telescope and I wanted to go check out you know, the moon and look at the craters on the moon. Or I wanted to like look at the, the, um, the, the belt of Orions you know, on, on that constellation and just go and see what does that really mean. So studying the Bible is like taking one passage of scripture. So maybe you're going to go to Exodus chapter 20 and you're going to study the Sabbath commandment and just the study the Sabbath commandment alone. You may cross-reference it with some other things, but be like, what does this really say? Going word by word, verse by verse to really understand what it is. And this is important for all of us to do. You know, we have wonderful speakers here here, and they're preaching wonderful Bible-based sermons, but we shouldn't take what they're saying for granted. You shouldn't take what I'm telling you for granted right now either. You should be able to go and take the notes that you've taken in the morning meetings, in the evening meetings, in the seminars, and go home, study in your Bible, and be like, does the Bible support what this person was actually talking about? We should also do the same thing in our classes, too. If, you know, a professor is saying one thing about the Bible, because a lot of times the Bible comes up in different classes at, at, at school, you should go home, you should study the Bible and see how it compares, you know. Does this line up with what the Bible actually teaches or was what my professor is saying error? Does this line up with what my pastor teaches or is my pastor teaching error? Just so that we can know for ourselves, we can be noble like the Bereans. And some verses where you can um, see about this in action in the Bible are Acts 17 verse 11 and Ezra 7 verse 10. The next thing that you can do, and we talked about this a little bit yesterday in the time management, is you can memorize. And so there's nothing like having confidence in the Word of God as much as when you have it memorized. Um, another example from school, because I see a lot of, a lot of uh, similarity between studying the Bible and studying the law, is when I... Um, when I was a first-year law student, the professor called on me, and I started answering his questions. And he asked me, like, what provision of the Bible, uh, not of the Bible, of the code does that come from? And I told him, like, section 152. And he asked me, are you sure? And I was like, uh, yes. He's like, are you sure? I was like, um, and he goes, does anybody else in the class know? And everyone's, like, looking at each other, and they're all scared down because they saw that, you know, like, he was trying to give me a hard time. And then, um... And then, you know, does anyone, does anyone? And then slowly everyone starts saying, you know, 152, 152, 152. And he turns and he looks at me and he's like, yes, it was 152. You need to be sure of these things. And so he's, you know, he was undermining my confidence because I didn't have it memorized. I thought I knew it, but it wasn't 100% memorized. In the same way, we need to be memorizing scripture. I was just telling um, the young people sitting right here that Tondo is like a memorizing machine. You know, she was trying to get us to memorize a passage in the, in the last session, and I think it was actually a manageable one. It was one that we could, we could memorize in that time period, but we were canvassing together three summers ago, and we would have to memorize a, a passage of scripture and a passage of spirit of prophecy to encourage us through the week. She was always the first one with it memorized. We got the text like on Sunday, she had it memorized by Monday, and we're all like, oh. So some of us, you know, memorizing comes a little more naturally for us than for others, but we can all do it. You may have to start slow, you may have to start small, but we can all memorize. And it's, you know, memorizing word for word what the Bible says, and even memorizing Bible studies. Like, if I want to teach somebody state of the dead, where do I go to in the Bible first? Where do I go to in the Bible second? Where do I go to in the Bible third? Where do I go to in the Bible fourth? And um, again, you can use different resources to help teach you these things, but then you need to put them together on your own so you know how to present it to other people. 
The next thing, and so memorizing would be like knowing at what time, although it changes throughout the year, exactly what time of the day, you know, if I'm walking home, will the moon rise over the horizon or the Orion? My star analogy is probably falling apart because I don't know very much about stars. I just like to look at them. <laughs> um, the next thing is meditating on, oh, I'm sorry, and for memorizing the word, the Bible verses you guys can go and look at at home to see more about that are Psalm 119.11, which you guys probably know from heart. It, that's, um, you know, I've hid thy word in my heart that I may not sin against thee. Um, and Acts 2, verses 14 to 40. And what that is, that's Peter actually giving a sermon. If you're called on to give a sermon in your local church and you have no idea what to do and you're scared to death because you've never written a sermon before, you don't have to write a new sermon. I remember um, somebody in my high school when I was in an Adventist academy, they just recited a whole chapter of Romans for the sermon at chapel one day. And it was awesome because you know, they didn't just be like, you know, four score and 40 years ago. You know, it wasn't boring. They, like, they, put, you know, they put all of their enthusiasm and all of their passion into reciting the word of God. And it was so powerful. So if someone calls upon you to give a sermon at church and you don't know what to do, consider memorizing a chapter of scripture and presenting that. All right, the next thing is meditating on the word. And I want to share a quote with this. Um, in, in daily study, the verse-by-verse -verse method is often most helpful. Let the student take one verse and concentrate the mind on ascertaining the thought that God has put into that verse for him, and then dwell upon the thought until it becomes his own. One passage thus studied until its significance is clear it, um, is often of more value than the perusal of many chapters with no definite purpose in view and no positive instruction gained. So going verse by verse and like, what does this not just mean? That's what studying is. It's like asking, what does this passage mean? And then this meditating is, what does this passage mean to me? What does it, why did God put this here for me to read today? It's understanding, what does this mean? Um, I should write that down so you guys can have it. And we can, you can find examples of that in Joshua 1, verse 8, Psalm 1, 1 and 2, and Psalm 119, 99. Actually, well, let me see. I may have us look up one of those. I'm infamous for dropping my cell phone like I just did right then. Oh, no, it's okay. Thank you. <laughs> yes, okay. Let's look at Psalm 119.99. I think Tondo, Tondo did mention this verse yesterday, but I want us to look at it again because as students, it's super encouraging. So Psalm 119.99. And the Bible says, I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. So when we take that time to meditate word by word, verse by verse on the Bible, understanding what it means and what it means to us, this helps us to actually become smarter than our professors. There's nothing to train us like studying the Word of God. And, um, and so know that when you're preparing for a Bible study and when you're having your own personal devotions, neither of those things are actually going to detract from, from your studies. God's going to actually use those to help make you a better student. Finally is applying the word. We don't want to be just doers of the word. We want to be hearers of it also. No, we don't want to be hearers of the word. We want to be doers of it also. Um, 
And so before you can present a Bible study to someone else, you need to make sure that you have conviction on, on what you're presenting to that person already. So if you're going to present a Bible study to somebody on the Sabbath, but you're not convicted about the Sabbath yet, don't present them the Bible study on the Sabbath until you have conviction about it in your own life. If you're going to do con a Bible study on the health message, but you are not convicted about the health message yet, you don't even know what the health message is yet, it's not time to give a Bible study on the health message. The only way we can effectively present is if we have practically applied it to our our lives. And um, a place where we can find this is Matthew 7, 24, James 1, 22 to 25. And so, again, this, these are all ways that we can, um, that, that we should go through to study the Bible for ourselves, to bring together, like, what does the Bible actually say about a particular topic or about a particular person? And there are many resources that you can use for this. I have like a whole list of my notes. Again, if you want it, we can talk afterward. Or you should go down to the booth area when you have some free time. All of these booths have tons of resources. Either they have websites or they have actually hard resources that you can use there. And you can get ideas and they'll help you with each of these different levels of studying the Bible. Either it'll help you hear it or it'll give you a plan for reading it or it'll give you some insight into studying it or some people have plans on how to memorize the scripture. And all of this will help you in preparing a Bible study and knowing what topics to prepare Bible studies on. Um, honestly, you guys can get you know training on this in a lot of places. That's going to be a lot more in-depth than what we're giving you now. But this is just a, an insight in like, how can I use the skills I have as a student to prepare Bible studies on campus? All right. So you have your Bible study prepared. You've gone through this whole entire process. You picked something like the Sabbath. You've heard a sermon on it. You read you know, all the passages in the Bible that have to do about Sabbath. You studied some of them very in depth. You memorized what the fourth commandment is. You know, you've meditated on it and you understand what the Sabbath means to you and you've applied that. You've made changes in your life in concurrence with that. And now I can guarantee you, even if you haven't looked for this person, God will bring somebody into your path who's gonna ask you, why do you keep the Sabbath? And guess what? Because you've gone through all of this, what do you have? You, you have the answer. And you, can, you have the, the resources and the material to pull together a Bible study to share with the person about why you keep the Sabbath. Now, so we're going to look at that. Like, how do I give this Bible study? Um, and in general, this is a general pointer before we talk about that. Um, but this is the sharing aspect. Let's not waste paper, so we'll do this. Yes, go green. <laughs> All right, so for sharing, um, the order in which you want to give Bible studies, the first thing you want to do is you want to build people's confidence in the Word of God. If they don't believe the Bible is the Word of God, then nothing else that you teach them will have authority in their life. So in order for them to actually make decisions later on, they first need to have conviction about the fact that the Bible is actually the Word of God. That's why many times in evangelistic series, we start with Daniel chapter 2. It's not just because it's an awesome prophecy, but it's because it also builds our confidence in the Word of God that it is actually true. So that's the first thing we want to make sure that people understand. The second is we want to build people's relationship with Jesus. We want them to come to know who Jesus is, and we want them to come to love him. And... Um, in order for us to be able to do that, we, mean, we need to also have that experience ourselves. So we need to come to know who Jesus is, and we need to love him so that we can introduce him to them. So, you know, I know Tondo, 
and I love Tondo, she's my sister, I can introduce her to a lot of people. Like, I can actually introduce somebody to Tondo because I know Tondo. But, you know, I don't know some of you in this room, so if I wanted to introduce Tondo, or I wanted to introduce one of you to Tondo, even if I had, like, a little crib sheep helping me, like, oh, yeah, this person studies at the University of North Carolina, and they're doing biology. I don't really know that person, though. I can't feel like, you know, but she really doesn't like to eat raspberry sorbet, but she likes mango sorbet a lot. You know, I know Tondo, she does like mango sorbet, but the other person I'm trying to introduce, I don't know. So we need to really know who Jesus is for ourselves so that we can share it with another person. That's why what Tondo was talking about yesterday, with having that personal time with God in the morning is so important, so that we can share that. Then the third thing you want to do is you want to share um, our unique doctrines with, the, with other people, but you want to share in the context of Jesus. Every single doctrine that we teach as a Seventh-day Adventist church can be wrapped up in Jesus, and they're, every, they're all doctrines that Jesus himself taught on. There's nothing that we teach in the Seventh-day Adventist church that cannot be wrapped up in Jesus. So make sure when you're studying the Bible, you understand how does this connect back to Jesus? How can I bring Jesus into this Bible study? Because since the person already loves Jesus and they want to do... Um, whatever they can to continue to follow him and be obedient to him, when you base the Bible study off of Jesus that's asking them to do something that may be very hard, it will be easier for them to make the decision. It won't be easy, but it will be easier to make the decision because they know who Jesus is. Okay, so now this is like super practical stuff that we're going to get into. Where do you think you should have a Bible study? You know, like when you're, when you're sharing this with somebody, what's a practical place to have it? Now, does anybody have any ideas? A quiet place? Yes, definitely. You want a place that's quiet and not a lot of distraction. So, you know, I actually, I get distracted really easily. When I was giving Bible studies in college, I would, like, I would give them in my dorm oftentimes, but, and I try not to close the door because it makes people uncomfortable, but I'd have to sit with my back to the door because if I see people passing, it's super distracting. Or, like, you know, there's three people back there and they're talking a lot. It's super distracting, you know, like, ugh, just all, you know, I get distracted easily. So you want to go to a place that's quiet, low levels of distraction, so that you can stay concentrated on what you're presenting that you can be sensitive to the way that the Holy Spirit is leading. Um, also, you want to go to a place where while it's quiet and it's like isolated, it's not, or it's not super isolated and that you're still safe. Like if you're a young lady giving a Bible study to a young man, don't go by yourself. Bring another person with you. The same way if you're a young man giving a Bible study to a young lady, don't go by yourself. Bring somebody with you. Um, just to keep things safe and so that there's no opportunity for accusations to happen, even if nothing actually did happen, like we talked about with Joseph yesterday. Um, and like some, some good places on campus to have a Bible study is like in a study room in the library. There's a girl I'm studying with the Bible, studying the Bible with back at the University of Virginia this year, and we meet in the library and we have Bible studies in a study room. Um, I've done Bible studies in lounges and dorms, in, in actual dorm rooms and stuff. So there's, there's a lot of places on campus that are very conducive to doing Bible study where it's not as noisy as like in the middle of the student center. Although student centers may have quieter rooms, you know, upstairs and stuff. Um, and also tables are better than couches because you can spread out your Bible, you can spread out your notes, and you can just spread out and, and have a hard surface that you can work on instead of, you know, just kind of sitting in a couch and... Um, and you know, wanting to fall asleep. I'd also probably say find a place with good climate control. Cause, like, are you guys really hot again? Yeah, I'm really hot, and so it makes it you know, if the if it's too hot or too cold, like people can't concentrate. 
Okay. And now this is probably like what you guys are like, okay, but how do I go through it, right? Like what's, what, what do I do to actually do it? That's what we're going to talk about now. The most important thing, and this actually go, is true for the preparation process too, is prayer. Like if you're not praying, nothing is going to happen. You need to be praying for the Bible study contact. You need to be praying that God, you know, is able to fill you with the Holy Spirit, that you're humble enough to be led and taught of him, and that... Um, that the person is ready to accept what you have to share with them. So before you even go to meet the person, you want to be praying for them. If you know the decision you're going to ask them to make, you want to be praying ahead of time, Lord, whatever obstacles there are for them to be making that decision, please either remove them or give them the strength to overcome them. You want to pray you know, as hard as you can for the person before you even arrive. The next thing you want to do is you want to have a conversation or you want to socialize with them. You know, because you, you went through the friendship evangelism stuff that Tondo talked about last hour, this person is actually your friend. And you know how she said, like, people can sniff out if the only reason you're trying to get to know them is because, like, you want to dunk them in the baptismal pool? Like, the same will be true if they're like, aha, I finally got you into Bible studies and now, you know, like, that we're just here to study the Bible and you don't take any interest in them. Like, that's not going to go over. So take some time. Plan for it. You know, like we talked about in time management yesterday. Plan for it. Like, 10 minutes at the beginning where you'll talk about each other's week, how things are going, how is that exam, you know, how's your mom doing, I heard that she was sick, just talking about social, um, social things. And another thing I would say is when you have a Bible study contact, don't let the friendship drop. So while you may have a time where you're studying with them, that doesn't mean that you can't interact with them at other times during the week. Still go to the cafeteria with them and eat. Still, you know, study with them for class. Be their friend outside of the Bible study also, but make the Bible study a Bible study time. Start with something social, but that the social aspect is just at the beginning. Um, the next thing, ask if they have any prayer requests and share prayer requests that you may have with them and then pray with them. Pray about what's on their heart. You know, this is continuing along the lines with what Tonda was presenting to us last hour about, you know, the things that are dear to them, the things that are needs to them. Sympathize with them, empathize with them and pray with them. And then the next, study. So like I said, if you do this and you studied for four hours, even though you're going to give a one-hour Bible study or, or you know, a 45-minute Bible study, a half-hour Bible study, and you went through all of this, you're going to have a lot of material. Don't present everything. You don't want to give way too much information. You want to give them just enough so that they have, um, they have enough information to make an informed decision at the end. So in general, I would say, like, share three or four main points that you want them to learn from that topic of the Bible. And um, you want to give them a roadmap. You want to tell them what you're going to tell them. You want to tell them. And then you want to tell them what you told them. So again, when, when, now that I'm in, in law school, we have to make these oral arguments. I told you guys about them a little bit yesterday, how you have to stand in front of a judge and you have to make your argument. And one of the best things that they do, <laughs> that they tell you you can do, is tell the judge exactly what you're going to tell them. Your Honor, you need to rule in my favor for three reasons. Ba, ba, ba. And you give like the three main reasons. And then you go into detail and you say everything about each of the reasons. Reason one is, and you go more in detail. Reason two is more in detail. Reason three is more in detail. And then, Your Honor, we ask the court to rule in our favor again because da, da, da. And you, you highlight what those three points are again. The same in Bible study. Let people know what you're talking to them about. Don't, don't make it a surprise. You know, sometimes we like want to go for the surprise ending or like, you know, the kill, you know, like, yay, you know, it's going to, uh, like, it's going to wow them. We don't want to, you know, it's not, we're not trying to impress. We just want to share the simple Bible truths. And so do it in a way that will make sense. Um, and let's see. When you turn to a passage, 
read the whole passage and not verses. Like many times when you're when you're in a Bible study, I don't know if you guys get this at Sabbath school or not, and they're like, okay, let's turn to Revelation chapter 14, verses six through twelve, and let's each take one verse and but then like the six different people they have like a different version of the Bible each, and sometimes it's hard to figure out, and like one person loses track, and they're like, oh wait, what verse are we on? Like, a way to help avoid that is just to have one person read the whole passage. Now, if you're like having a 50 verse chapter, you probably should reconsider what you're including in your Bible study, but if it's absolutely necessary to include that, then you may want to break it up. But in general, try not to break up the verses, just have one person read it, going back and forth. Um, and when you read a verse, you want to explain why you read that text, and then you want to say what the text says, and then you want to ask them a question that makes them answer from the text, and make them answer from the text. Sometimes you, like, you may ask them a question and they'll be like, well, I feel that the answer is like, no, 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 not what you feel, what did the Bible say about that? What's, what's the answer from the Bible? Um, and also, bring them a little handout or outline. So yesterday we were really good, we gave you guys um, uh, slides of what we were doing. You could see it and we told you if you wanted a copy of it, we could send it to you. Today we've been writing stuff, but again, we said you can send it to you, a handout so that people can go home and they can study themselves what it is that you've been presenting so that they can better understand. Then, at the end, you want to make an appeal for them. Um, you always need to call people to a decision. And we'll talk about more about appeals in a minute, but uh, it's important because Appeals keep the Bible study that you just shared from being just information and it allows it to sink into their heart. So, you know when you hear like generals talking on the news, you know, we need to win the hearts and the minds of the people. Like, that's as true in religion as, as it is in war. Like, if we just have an intellectual ascension to the truth, like, there is no power in our religion. It needs to be in our heart as well. And so making an appeal helps people not just to apply it to the information that they have, but allows them to make a decision in their heart for what it is that they've been just presented. And then, after you make that appeal, you want to pray with them again. Um, and after you pray with them, the very first thing you want to do is leave. You don't want to stay. You take care of the socializing at the beginning, and then you leave at the very end so that you're not, you ushered them into the spiritual experience, but you don't want to be the one to usher them back out of that spiritual experience. You know, their work is going to have to continue, but don't let that association happen because they may need to do some reflecting and some meditating on what you've presented them on after you leave. So just, you know, if they ask you to help them with something, maybe help them with that, but otherwise, you know, get out and leave. Don't, don't stick around. Now, the last thing that we're going to cover is asking. Oh, wow, I didn't write anything down under share, did I? Okay. <laughs> I just talked. I'm sorry. I should have given more for you guys to look at. All right, asking. It's an appeal. And um, appeals are cooperating with the Holy Spirit. You know how, like, when you, when you hear the word of God and you just like, you're moved and like you, you know that it's the Holy Spirit working in your heart because you've had experience. You know who the Holy Spirit is. You've been taught and you understand the way that he works. You know, we can't see him like Jesus says in John chapter three, or we, and just like we can't see the wind, but you can see the way the wind moves by the way it moves through the trees. And it's the same with the Holy Spirit. But people who aren't familiar with God, they don't know who God is, and we're trying to teach them who God is, they don't know how the Holy Spirit works. So if they're convicted about something, they don't know that, like, oh, why am I feeling this way? Like, what's going on in my heart? Like, uh, you know, what are you doing to me? You know, they may get angry at you or they may get happy. That's, that's a sign of conviction, and you want to act on that conviction. Um, and so in order for you to have a successful appeal is, in order, is 
four things. You need to give them enough information. And so that's what, you know, that's why the studying is important. They need to have a good, you know, logical basis for the decision that they're about to make. Um, and they need to know that the information makes sense. You can, <laughs> many times we can present information and like it makes no sense at all. For all I know, that's maybe happening right now because it seems so hot, everyone's just like melting. But um, you know, we need to present enough information that they have a basis to make the decision on and that information needs to make sense. We need to present it in a logical way. But we also need conviction. Whoops. People need to know it's the right thing to do. Um, you know, they sense the rightness in the action of making this decision. They need to have desire. You know, do they see the benefit of it or do they see like why it would be bad for them not to do it? So that this is actually a change they want to make. And then action. Ooh. Looking away too soon, um, you know. Have you asked them to make a decision? And what I want to do to illustrate this is tell you a story from the first Bible study contact I ever had. Um, her name was, should I say her name? Her name was Wynn, and um, we were in the dorm together our freshman year. And I had invited her to a Bible study a couple times, and um, and she came a few times. But then she's like. She had a complicated story. She's from Vietnam, and her parents were of Buddhist origin, but Mormons had helped them move from Vietnam to the United States. So she kind of considered herself Mormon, but she had a lot of Buddhist influence, and she was just really confused on spiritual things, but she was spiritually interested. So my freshman year, I invited her to like things my group was doing, and, um, and she came out a few times, but then she decided, she's like, no, you know what, I'm Mormon. I want to study more what Mormons are. So I said, okay for that. <laughs> but then she was, she really, you know, was wondering what was going on in my life. She was asking questions because of my lifestyle, like we've been talking. I had become her friend in the way that Tondo was describing last hour. And so finally I was like, you know, you know, <laughs> I was really scared. I was convicted. I had the information. I was, you know, I had the desire. I needed to take the action, you know. God was making an appeal to me to, to ask her to have Bible studies. And I just was like overwhelmed by the Holy Spirit one night. And I got on instant messenger because she lives on the other side of the dorm and I was like do you want to start Bible studies with me I can teach you what I know I don't know a lot but I'll teach you what I know and she said yes so the way that would happen was uh, she would ask me a question she's like why do we need to pray I'd be like well that's a good question I don't know let me get back to you next week. And I would go home and I'd go through this whole entire process for a whole entire week and I'd study everything I could find in the Bible about prayer. I'd use websites, I'd use old Bible studies that I could find, I'd use Sabbath school lessons, whatever. And I'd come back and I'd give her a Bible study on prayer. And she'd be like, oh, that makes sense. Okay, but then like, you know, do I really need to be a part of an organized church? Can't I just like love God on my own? We like, um, I don't know. And so I go and I study for a week again and, you know, learn everything and I come back and I give her a Bible study. And she's like, man, I'm really struggling with my studies, but I pull all these all-nighters and I still am not getting A's. Like, what does the Bible say about that? I don't know. <laughs> you know, and I didn't know a lot then, but at the end of this experience, you know, I learned a lot more of the Bible. And that's another reason to give Bible studies. It helps us learn more for ourselves. Um, but I, I, I just was sharing with her over the course of a whole semester, our second year, Bible study after Bible study after Bible study. And um, at the end, but I never, I, again, I told you guys I wasn't trained, so I'm trying to help you not make the same mistakes that I made. I never asked her, like, do you want to make a decision based on this? Um, I was going to say Tondo. Tondo's name is in my mind. When do you want to make a decision to pray every day after that prayer Bible study? I never asked her that. You know, when do you want to make the decision to commit to get enough sleep so that you're well rested so you can do well in your classes? 
I never did that. I never asked her the questions based on the Bible studies because I didn't know that you were supposed to do that at the end of a Bible study. And um, towards the end of the semester, she asked me, Amy, do you think I'm a Christian? And I was like, um... I think if you're not, you're probably pretty close to being one. She's like, no, like, I know I'm a Christian, even though I had never called her to a decision to follow Christ. But then the other thing she told me is sometimes when I give her Bible studies on things she didn't want to hear is, you know, whenever you share the Bible with me, I get this burning in my heart and, like, I just don't know what to do. And then, you know, I would get up and leave and she's like, I don't know what to do. And I would, at that time, I was just like, oh. That's interesting. I didn't know what was happening. Was the Holy Spirit's working on her, and I wasn't calling her to decision. And so even though at the end of that semester she considered herself a Christian, we fell out of touch that over the summer. And when she came back to school the next fall, she had become a Buddhist again. And, um, and so I realized, man, you know, if I would have known then that it's important for us to be giving appeals, maybe she would be sitting in GYC right now. I still pray for her. She, we talk from time to time. She hasn't been interested in getting in the Bible again, but I know that God has planted seeds and that, you know, he'll, he'll grow those at the right time. But, you know, I just want you to know not to make the same mistakes that I have made in the past, that you know, even if it's hard, making an appeal sometimes is hard and it's scary, but it's important to do because it gives the person the opportunity to take an action on what they have just heard. Um, and the other thing to keep in mind is, again, we're not trained. Like I said, I didn't know what I was doing then. I've learned since then. And a lot of times we don't know what's going on. We should always make an appeal, but we should always know that you know we have local churches. We have events like GYC and local youth rallies and youth conferences where you can bring your friends to and where there are people who are trained, who are preaching in the big meetings, who can call to make big decisions. And so we need to help them to be ready to make those decisions, but you can also invite people to places to make those decisions. Evangelists series wherever. Um, so that is the end of what I have prepared for how to give a Bible study. Again, I know that was a lot of information that it went by probably really fast, but did it make sense? Yes, it made sense. How many of you want to take some of these principles back and be like, you know what, I'm going to find someone on campus to do a Bible study with, or I want to find a group of people to start studying the Bible with? Yeah? Are you really going to follow through with that commitment? Yes? Amen. So, again, I encourage you, go to the booth area, find out information from, talk to the different ministries. I want to start a Bible study on my campus this semester. As soon as I get back to school, what can you give me to help me with that? Go and challenge them, and they'll give you the information that you need to, in addition to this. And, um, and I'll be praying for you, and I will be excited to hear what happens. You know, keep us updated with what's continuing to go on. Uh, let's pray, and then if you guys have any questions or anything, you can come up. And otherwise, thank you for coming to our seminar. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you again for the privilege that we have of being Seventh-day Adventists. We know it's not something that you've called us to be in an elite club, Lord, but rather that it's a mission that you've given us to go out into the world, to share your gospel with everybody that we come in contact with. And Lord, especially for the students in this room, I want to pray. You saw the hands go up of those who they want to start a Bible study on their campus this semester, Lord. And I just pray that as each of them go onto their campuses to start this Bible study, that they will find people who are truly interested in you, who are willing to follow Jesus wherever he would go and to make decisions, Lord, to follow him and to enter his kingdom. Lord, I pray that you give them success as you promise that you will give them success in opening the word to other people. I pray that you will enlighten their minds and that because they are meditating on your word, you will not take away from their studies, but rather you will also bless them in those as well. 
And Father, we just look forward to the testimonies that you will give us through the experiences of each student here as they do open the word to other people. We thank you that it will be a refreshing experience for each of them. And we just ask that even in the times where we may be discouraged, that our faith will look up to you and that we'll continue passing, pressing on, knowing that you'll lead us through to the end. We thank you, Father, and we just ask that you keep us safe um, through the rest of this weekend and also as we go back to our campuses as we endeavor to do your work. We ask these things humbly and in Jesus' name, amen. This media was produced by Audioverse for GYC, Generation of Youth for Christ. If you would like to learn more about GYC, please visit www.gycweb.org. Or if you would like to listen to more free online sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.